After a great rookie season as a reliever in 2021, the Orioles moved Tyler Wells to the starting rotation in 2022, and he had success. But will he keep that role heading into next season? We'll try to answer that question coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Tuesday, November 8th, 2022, and welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a look back at the season for Tyler Wells. We continue our Baltimore Orioles 2022 player season review series. And we're going to look at Wells, who for the first time in his big league career was a starting pitcher. And although he missed a good chunk of the middle of the season with an oblique injury had success with the Orioles this year. Now, he was a different pitcher this year as a starter than he was in 2021 as a reliever, but we'll break down his stats and what his role could be moving forward for the Orioles. But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked On Orioles your first podcast listen of the day. Free and available wherever you get your pods. We're here on YouTube as well. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe on the YouTube channel. And we're still five days a week through at least the winter meetings. So at least another month of Monday through Friday podcasts as the offseason officially starts this Thursday. And it's going to be really, really fun to cover the liftoff for the Orioles. Again, if you want an offseason primer, check out the Monday episode this week, yesterday's pod, where I did my full ultimate Baltimore Orioles offseason preview. Went through the free agents they could go after, the trades they could make, the Rule 5 draft, any 40-man moves they need to make, the salary who they could look at, everything you need to know for the offseason. That was Monday's episode. Make sure to go back and check that out. But we thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first listen of the day. For your first listen today, well, we're talking Tyler Wells because he's had an interesting two seasons so far with the Orioles. And obviously it starts in 2021. The Orioles pick him up in the Rule 5 draft from the Minnesota Twins back in December of 2020. And he comes in coming off of Tommy John surgery. Basically hadn't pitched in regular games since 2018 because of the Tommy John and the pandemic season that canceled the minor leagues. But he joins the Orioles and was basically used in a mop-up role early in 2021 out of the bullpen. But then his role got bigger and bigger. And by the end part of the 2021 season, I mean, Tyler Wells was the Orioles' closer coming out of the bullpen. He had electric stuff with an upper 90s fastball and a good slider and a devastating changeup. He ended up throwing 57 innings to a 4-1-1 ERA out of the Orioles' pen with over 10 Ks per nine and under two walks per nine. It was a great season for a rookie Rule 5 reliever in 2021. But we get into 2022 and, you know, an Orioles bullpen that struggled a lot. You're assuming Wells will be right back into a, a high leverage role in that bullpen this year. But then we hear the Orioles are doing something different in spring training. They are building Tyler Wells back up to a starter. Of course, that was the role he had in the minor leagues with the Twins. He was a starting pitcher, and they were building him back up to that. And it went a little slowly. You know, his first start didn't go well in Tampa Bay. He pitched just an inning and two-thirds. And his first three starts, none of them went more than four innings. And his fourth start to finish off the month of April, he did go five innings. But... In general, he had a 5.54 ERA in his four starts in April. They were short starts, and it made a lot of people think, including me a little bit, 
you know, was this a good idea to move Wells into the rotation? Now, it became a little bit better idea when after two starts, John Means went down, had to get Tommy John. And so the O's needed Wells as a starter in the rotation. So they were basically stuck with the decision. They had to keep with it after the Means injury. And then it just started to work out for Tyler Wells. He had a 2.93 ERA in May. He had a 2.42 ERA in June. And he was dominating kind of a different way. You know, his Ks per nine of 10.3 in 2021, that dropped to 6.6 in 2022. His walks basically stayed the same. They went up a touch, but they were still crazy low. But he was just throwing a lot of strikes and getting guys out early in the count and essentially having hitters put the ball in play. And that's not the kind of pitcher he was out of the bullpen. He was a strikeout artist. He had a 29% strikeout rate in 2021. The league average is 22%. He was well above average there, but he was down at 18% this year because it was more about putting the ball in play. And you look at Wells, and obviously he was in the strike zone more often than he was in 2021. But it wasn't by that that much. He just got more contact, really, in 2022. Got less chases, but... Guys were just swinging early at Wells' pitches. And he talked about it in the middle of the season. Actually, he gave a really interesting quote, which basically barreled down to it and paraphrasing here. You know, he wasn't trying for as many strikeouts as he did in 2021 out of the bullpen. He was, you know, he felt it worked better for him to throw strikes, get ahead, and try to have guys get themselves out early in the count. And that's exactly what happened. He would keep his pitch counts down. It allowed him to get deeper into games because, you know, the plan was for him to have an innings limit and never really pitch. You know, Brandon Hyde said he's never really going to pitch more than five innings. Well, right after Hyde said that, he went six innings of one-run ball back in early May against the Kansas City Royals. And then he continued to do it. And then all of a sudden, you get to June. And from June 11th, through July the 3rd, Tyler Wells had five consecutive starts where he went six innings, six innings, five, five, and then six innings. And only once did he give up more than one run in that stretch. They were all quality starts. And he was pitching deeper and deeper into ball games because he was getting guys out early in the count. But you kind of ask, you know, what did he have to give up to do that? Well, he kept his ability to throw strikes. I mean, his walk numbers were insanely low for a while there. I mean, he only walked three batters in the month of May. He made six starts in May, and he walked three batters. He walked four batters in four starts in April. That's the kind of season it was for Tyler Wells. He did not have a month with double-digit walks. It's kind of an insane number, and he stayed in the strike zone, but he did lose a little bit on his stuff, and specifically... His fastball, Tyler Wells' four-seam fastball last season out of the bullpen when, you know, you can rear it up for an inning or two and, and, and throw harder and go more max effort on every pitch, he was averaging 95.2 miles an hour. Well, this year on the four-seamer, he was down to 93.5 miles an hour, almost a two-mile-per-hour difference in his fastball velocity moving to a starter. And you would expect the velo to go down a little bit as he moves to a starter, just like most starters, when they move to the bullpen, they see their velo go up a little bit. But two miles per hour was a pretty big difference. And what it did mean is his four-seam fastball was just not as effective as a starter as it was as a reliever last year. You look at what his fastball did. His fastball had a 516 slugging percentage against it this year. Batters only slugged 383 
against his four-seam fastball in 2021. Now, he's a big, tall guy. He throws over the top. His fastball has a solid spin rate, so it should be a good pitch. But because the velocity was down, it played down a little bit with the spin down as well in 2022. So you're asking, you know, how did he make up for it? Well, his secondaries got better. His changeup, he threw a whole lot more. He threw it only 10% of the time as a reliever, threw it 18% of the time as a starter, and he used that changeup to get lefties out. Opponents hit only 197 against Tyler Wells' changeup this year, and that's how he frankly dominated left-handers. Left-handed batters hit only 193 against Tyler Wells this year, and he only walked six lefties this year. He faced 184 left-handers and issued a walk only six times. He was in the zone, getting swings and misses, and he was great. And it was interesting because, you know, righties hit 263 against him, but again, lefties hit 193, and he dominated them because of that changeup. The slider was solid as well, 217 batting average against it. And then, you know, his curveball was once again his number four pitch, kind of that more big overhand curveball that Wells would throw from the high arm slot, but he still used it time to time for a get-me-over strike or, you know, sometimes a swing and miss, but he was generally fastball, slider, and changeup. And now, what did happen, though, a little further down the stretch, is he did not have a good month of July. He had a 5.76 ERA in July, and it was interesting to watch because his strikeouts were actually way up in July. Remember, he was at about 6.6 Ks per nine on the year. He was at nine strikeouts per nine in July, but the ERA jumped as well, and he was getting hit much harder in July. A 38% hard hit percentage against Wells in July. No other month was over 28%. So it was a very different pitcher in that month of July. It started with a great start against the Twins, but then the Angels got to him, and the Rays got to him a little bit, and then the Yankees and Rays roughed him up to end that month. And actually, that month of July ended with the injury. July 27th, he was pitching at Camden Yards against the Rays. He was getting roughed up early, and he had to leave the game after four and a third, four runs on six hits, was doubled over in pain on the mound. And you could kind of immediately tell it was an oblique injury. And it made you think, you know, was that bothering him the couple of starts before when he had struggled a little bit against the Rays and then the Yankees? It was a question you had to answer. But he wasn't the same pitcher in July, and just especially with that injury, it was tough because the oblique injury is really tough for any baseball player to come back from in that core area. You use those muscles all the time, especially as a starting pitcher on the mound. So the question became, you know, could Tyler Wells come back from the oblique injury and help an Orioles team that basically, you know, stayed in the race even after he went down? You know, when he got injured, he had a 3.90 ERA on the season. He was a, a big-time starting pitcher for them. But they kept themselves in it enough to get him back at the end of the year. But coming up next, we'll talk about what happened after the oblique injury for Wells this year. How long he was out. What happened when he tried to come back. And what it all means for his spot with the Orioles in 2023. But first... Got to tell you about betonline.net. It's your number one source for all your sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. And you can get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. Of course, you got the NFL, you got college football now every weekend. We know baseball season's over, but college basketball season started last night. The Maryland Terrapins getting a win to start off the Kevin Willard era. You've got men's and women's college basketball. Of course, you got the NBA and the NHL going on as well. 
And then enter soccer into the mix. We are less than two weeks away from the start of the 2022 World Cup, and you can get all the lines and the odds at Bet Online. If you love sports podcasts, I hope you do. If you're listening to this, you can find those as well at Bet Online. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. So we're talking about Tyler Wells and his 2022 season with the Orioles transitioning to a starter. And, you know, there was an injury time in the middle. Started off slowly, got hot, then cooled off. The final stats for Tyler Wells in 2022, he made 23 starts for the Orioles and threw 103 and two-thirds innings this year after throwing 57 innings out of the bullpen in 2021. And again, 103 and two-thirds innings, about six and a half strikeouts, two and a half walks per nine. He had a 4.25 ERA with a 4.52 FIP on the season for Tyler Wells was a big time fly ball pitcher, which he you know kind of was as a reliever as well, and was worth 0.9 WAR according to Fangraphs on the season. And you know we mentioned the oblique injury; he goes down on July 27th, and he misses some significant time. Ends up missing the entire month of August, and basically, if you average it out, he missed out on. About seven to eight starts, probably about seven starts when he went down with that injury. And the Orioles kept on chugging with Adam through August. They stayed right in the playoff race. And when they got to early September, Wells was starting to throw. He was looking healthy. And Wells went to high A Aberdeen to make a rehab start. Pitched a couple of innings, looked solid. And you thought, all right, he's going to go to double A Bowie next. Maybe he makes a rehab start at triple A Norfolk. And then the Orioles can get him back in kind of mid to late September to make a couple of starts down the stretch or just help them out of the bullpen. That's kind of what I thought they would do. They'd bring him back, have him throw out of the bullpen like he did in 2021 and help the Orioles that way. But he throws two and a third innings in an Aberdeen rehab start. And the Orioles are looking at an incredibly, incredibly important series early in July against the Blue Jays. And they say, you know what? Let's call him up and let's just get him on the mound to continue his rehab in an Orioles uniform at the major league level. And there was a lot of debate about was this good for the O's and was this good for Wells and his health. And it turned out it maybe wasn't good for either side. So after one rehab start, the Orioles recall Wells, activate him off the injured list on September 7th for the final game of that crucial four-game series at home against the Toronto Blue Jays. Toronto had won two out of the first three, and the Orioles basically needed to win that game four to split that series and stay alive behind Toronto in the wildcard race. But Wells just didn't look himself. He threw two innings, a run on two hits, a strikeout and two walks, was not really throwing strikes. They just got got him out of there. Now, the plan was for him to only pitch two innings, but they certainly weren't two clean innings. He was kind of lucky to get out of there with just the one run. Now, he did come back a week later. They pushed him back a little bit and started against the Nats. And he looked better. Four innings, two runs, two hits, and he did have four strikeouts. Gave up two solo homers, but generally looked solid and looked like he could at least help the O's every five days down the stretch. But then you got to what he did on September 19th. Game one of a home series against the Detroit Tigers, a series the Orioles needed to sweep against a terrible team to stay in the playoff race. And Wells just looked awful. 
Went three plus innings, allowed five runs on four hits with three Ks and three walks against an abysmal Detroit offense, the worst in the league. The velo was a little down. He just did not look like himself. And after he was pulled from that game, the Orioles put him back on the injured list, said it was right shoulder inflammation. And on September 19th with the injury, they shut Wells down for the remainder of the 2022 season. And it didn't look good when he returned overall. In those three starts back from the injury, nine innings, eight runs, eight hits, eight Ks, five walks, and two long balls allowed. He just wasn't the the same pitcher in that stretch. His fastball was still getting hit. But I think in the long run, when you look back on what the Orioles did there, I understood the thought process. You know, he's already pitching. Again, he had already pitched one rehab start in high A. And you say, you know what? Instead of building him all the way back to a starter in the minors, if we think his stuff is there and his velo was there in that Aberdeen start, let's just rehab him, but in the majors. So pitch him two innings, then three or four innings and go from there. And that was the plan. And it worked out okay at the beginning, but he clearly just was not ready to come back and start in a game. And I wonder how it would have gone differently had the Orioles pitched him completely out of the bullpen. But when you're bringing him back like that, you want to get him regimented innings so it makes it easier to start him as an opener so you know how long he's going to pitch and you know exactly when he's going to pitch instead of going down into the bullpen and kind of never knowing when he's going to come into a game on any given day. So I understood it from that sense, but it just looked like he wasn't completely healthy. And, you know, maybe the mechanics were a little off. That's why he ended up with the shoulder issue. Now, the Orioles did say in terms of the injury that it wasn't anything serious. And if the season were lasting another month, he would have come back and been able to pitch. But just because it was so late in the year, he had already had one injury. They just decided to completely shut him down with the shoulder inflammation. And the injury won't be an issue. He's going to be perfectly healthy and ready for spring training 2023. But it kind of brings us to the final question on Tyler Wells. Success as a reliever, success as a starter in different ways in two different seasons. What's his role going to be in 2023? And I think to try to answer the question, you have to first look at what the Orioles' other starting pitching options are going to be. Because you feel like Dean Kramer and Kyle Bradish are going to be there. You hope there's Grayson Rodriguez. You hope there's at least one free agent acquisition or a trade, maybe two. You got D.L. Hall in the mix, of course. And then, you know, who knows? Maybe Jordan Lyles will be back with the Orioles. Does Tyler Wells maybe fit in fifth on that list? Maybe sixth? And, of course, you can, you know, throw in guys like Mike Bauman who got a shot or, a, you know, a Spencer Watkins or, you know, a Bruce Zimmerman or whomever. I would think Wells is above all of those guys. But if push comes to shove, and, of course, you got John Means coming back at some point midseason next year from Tommy John surgery, and he he's above Wells in the pecking order as well. When push comes to shove, if you're looking for one of these guys to move into the bullpen, and I didn't even mention Austin Voth, you know, he's going to be in that mix. He pitched well down the stretch, kind of in Wells' absence specifically. You're looking at all these guys and saying, okay, who deserves to stay in the rotation, but who also could help us the most out of the bullpen if we had to move them there? And I think the number one answer to that question is Tyler Wells, because You've seen him do it with success for an entire season as a Rule 5 rookie. That's a tough spot to pitch in, a Rule 5 rookie back in 2021. But he did it with success for the Orioles. You know, he went out there. He had big strikeout numbers. The stuff looked great. He got lefties and righties out. He had a 29% strikeout percentage. You know, he had an opponent's hit just 190 against him out of the bullpen. You know, he had a 4-1-1 ERA, but a 3-6-3 FIP. So he actually pitched better than that. 
And what I thought was also interesting is that in terms of war, he was worth the exact same .9 in about half the innings as a reliever because he was just more effective out of the bullpen. And although it was really nice and kind of refreshing to see a guy in Wells who wasn't exactly going for the strikeout every time as a starter, and he admitted that he wasn't, that was not his plan, you know, he's keeping the pitch count down, able to get himself deeper into games. We'll see what he would look like, you know, probably doesn't have an innings limit in 2023. But I could see him in the bullpen. And I think the answer to this question is going to completely hinge on who the Orioles add, whether it be in free agency or trades, to the starting rotation. If the O's don't do much, maybe they add one mid-level pitcher. You know, they don't bring back Jordan Lyles. I think Tyler Wells pretty easily will be in the starting rotation to start the year. But if the Orioles trade for a guy and add another guy, and, you know, Grayson Rodriguez seems ready to go, and D.L. Hall is competing for a rotation spot, I think we could definitely see Tyler Wells even start the year in the Orioles' bullpen. And he'll be a Swiss Army knife like he was at times in 2021. He could be the closer if you needed to. He could be a setup man, a high leverage guy. He can go multiple innings. I think he gives you a lot of flexibility in the bullpen. And because he's been built up and built down really quickly before, if you needed a spot start, if there was an injury, if a starter went out in the first or second inning, you could go to Tyler Wells on short notice to pitch in long relief or be a spot starter and still be able to give you some length and be comfortable in that role as well. Because again, he did have some major success at times as a starter here in 2022. But I will say, there's no scenario in which Tyler Wells isn't in some sort of role on the big league roster in 2023. He's shown too much success with good stuff each of the last two seasons. This was a fantastic Rule 5 draft pickup by Mike Elias and his staff a couple winters ago. And I'm excited to see what he can do in 2023. It'll just kind of depend on who comes in because he's certainly not, you know, a lock for the rotation. But I could see him being in there because he definitely helped the O's in that role this year. But before we finish up the pod, i got a couple more updates. It's awards season and the Orioles are involved. We'll talk about that coming up next. So it was a good second year for Tyler Wells. However, because the injuries, the innings limit, and you know just the stats weren't there, not really involved in any awards here in 2022. But two Orioles people were involved in the award finalists that were announced on Monday night. First of all, Brandon Hyde, deservedly so, is one of the three finalists for the AL Manager of the Year Award. Hyde is up for the award along with Terry Francona, the skipper of the Cleveland Guardians, and Scott Service, the Seattle Mariners manager. Now, I do think, if I had to guess, Service will probably win the award. Remember, the voting is done before the regular season ends, so there is no playoff success involved. But by the time people had voted, the Orioles were pretty much out of it and the Mariners were pretty much in it. And because of the great success they had this year with service and because Frank Kona's, you know, won the award before, so guys will probably lean towards the newer managers. It's basically an award that's given to the manager that, you know, outshines expectations, which is Brandon Hyde number one. But because service's team actually got to the playoffs and Hyde's did not, I can see him winning it. But Hyde deservedly so. And again, he had some growing pains with some decisions he made. This was the first competitive baseball team he had managed in now his fourth year as Orioles manager, and he was a new manager when the O's hired him back before the 2019 season. But I love the job he did, not just as an on-field manager, but in the clubhouse, bringing these guys together and 
turning around a team to win 31 more games this year than they did last year. He certainly deserves to be on this ballot, and I think he has a chance to win this award. Now, the other award finalist for the Orioles, as expected, is Adley Rutschman. He is one of the three finalists for the American League Rookie of the Year Award, just as we thought he would be. And the other two finalists are, frankly, two guys who didn't surprise me that they're on that list either. Julio Rodriguez, the star center fielder for the Seattle Mariners, and then Stephen Kwan, the kind of breakout early season great story outfielder for the Cleveland Guardians. What's really interesting is both of these awards is down to a Cleveland guy, a Baltimore guy, and a Seattle guy. Just funny how it worked out that season. Maybe the three teams that overcame you know, the lowest expectations to have success this year. What I will say is, just like I think Brandon Hyde will probably finish second in the Manager of the Year awards, I really do think that Adley Rutschman probably is going to finish second in the Rookie of the Year award. Stephen Kwan had a good year. He's a fun player. He's not on the same level as Rodriguez and Rutschman. He's going to finish a solid third. It's between Adley and Julio to win this award. And I just think they're going to give it to Julio Rodriguez. One reason is because, again, Rodriguez's team made the postseason. Rutschman's did not. And they were kind of head-to-head in the wild card race for most of the year. And Rodriguez won out. Now, the fact that Julio was injured near the end of the year does take a little bit off from him because he didn't get to play down the stretch for a bit, but it kind of evens out with the fact that Adley Rutschman did not debut until mid-May because of his triceps injury, so that kind of evens those things out. And although the war for the two is fairly similar, you probably have to give the edge to Julio Rodriguez, worth 5.3 war on the season, according to fan graphs. I think he's going to be the winner. Also, just... Brings more excitement for kind of the plays he made on a very lovable Seattle Mariners team. And again, Adley is certainly deserving, and you can definitely make a case with the defense and everything he brought to the Orioles. You know, their winning record after he was called up in mid-May. He has a good chance to win this. I just think it's going to go to Rodriguez. But for Rutschman, if he does finish in the top two of this award, which it's looking likely that he will, he will get to free agency a year earlier. So that certainly does help out Adley Rutschman. If he does finish, again, in the top two of the AL MVP award, he will go to free agency a year later. So I believe right now he would go to free agency after 2029. If he is picked in the top two, he will hit free agency after 2028, which means it's all that more pressing for the Orioles to hopefully sign Adley to a long-term extension this offseason, but even if Hyde or Rutschman don't win these awards, they had amazing seasons in what was a memorable campaign for the Orioles in 2022. But we are now here in the offseason, and I'm going to continue having all of this offseason coverage on the podcast. We'll plan for the rest of the week to be looking back, continuing at these Orioles seasons with these player review episodes. But if any news breaks, again, you know, we're waiting on the Jordan Lyles decision on his team option. And then free agency is going to open at 5 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. So the O's make any moves, any signings. We will have all the coverage the next day, the next morning, right here on the podcast. So make sure to subscribe wherever you listen. Like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube to get that Orioles reaction analysis to all the moves all offseason right here on the pod. But I'll be back tomorrow for another episode, maybe reacting to some Jordan Lyles Option news. But until then, 
I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.